Hello everyone, this is Jerome. I serve as a community pastor here at First Christian Church. Welcome to our brand new podcast. I'm so glad that we get to serve you today through this message. God bless you. Let's get into the Word. How many of you have a 401k or even just a Jane? You are awesome. Thank you for being so brave. Yeah. An interest-bearing savings account or anything. Anybody? How many of you have a garden? Hey. Good to see you. Well, these things have something in common. And they're like, one of the beauty of, of this world is something called compounding interest. Where if you just put that dollar in there, the institution that you're saving with will add money to that every quarter. And the more money you have in there, the more interest. Well, look at that. We got some balcony people. Yes! Coming down. So, this couple sits up there. Gary, one of these days, we're going to get you down here, brother. Okay. This couple sits up there at a safe distance, and they know they can get out of here if, you know, it's not like we don't have angels guarding the doors up there. We do back here, so you guys can't leave. (laughs) Good to see you. So, or you put that seed in the ground, and it becomes so much more than itself if you take care of it, water it, and fertilize it. And I, this is, these are just life, real-life analogies for this principle of multiplication that we're going to talk about this morning, that Jesus talks about in our story this morning, about where if we just put that dollar in somebody's life, we just plant that seed in somebody's life, and let God do His thing. We can see an amazing kind of harvest. And that is, that's what we want. I think that's what God wants to see in each of us. The thing we need to understand though, is not every seed germinates. I, uh, I, I planted some, I, I turned my garden into a melon patch last year. I threw out some cantaloupe seeds from a cantaloupe I bought at the grocery store and some watermelon seeds. And not every one of those, because there were like hundreds, you know, and not every one of them germinated, but the ones that did just took over my whole garden. I had more fruit than I knew what to do with. Pretty cool. So this is quite similar to this whole miracle of multiplication that we see when we partner with Jesus in this enterprise of disciple-making. And it it goes like this. What I want us to understand is that the miracle of both making and multiplying disciples is not in the crowd or the Colosseum. Not all of us have that opportunity or gift to preach to the multitudes, right? It's not in that anyway. It's in the investment of relationship with the one or the few. That's what we do. <clears throat> if we follow Jesus' example of multiplying disciples, of pouring our lives into a few who will also do the same with a few, this miracle of multiplication will happen. And I want everybody to just exhale right now. <sighs> okay, just let it all go. It's okay. Just let it go. It's not in your ability to have that slick conversation with someone or just make that airtight argument with someone. Aren't you glad? How many of us feel equipped to do that all the time? Hardly ever. It's in the intentional, I'm sticking with you relationship. Where you can look people in the eye and they know you got their back. And you're going to be with them through thick and thin. Alright, let's, let's put it this way. Check this out. If one of us in this room 
only one of us could win a thousand people to Christ every single day of our life. Now, that would mean you'd probably have to preach to the stadium, throngs of people answer the invitation, and fill the aisle up front. I mean, how many of us are going to do that? Probably none of us. But, let's say, if one of us could do that and win a thousand people to Jesus every day, how many years would it take to reach the world for Christ? How many years? You want to know? 17,500 years. And that is assuming that no one else is born on planet Earth during that time span. That's just to reach our current world population. But, what if one of you, just one person, okay, let's pick on Let's pick on David. David Barrier is one of our elders. Raise your hand. Come on, be proud. Get it up there. All right. So let's just say that if David would just get his act together and win one person, disciple one person to Jesus in six months, and then David and his disciple each discipled one more person apiece in the next six months, and so on and so on, how long would it take to win this world to Jesus? Seventeen years. Sounds a little more doable, doesn't it? Now, that's assuming that there's no failure and that there's no sin and every disciple's going to make it, and probably not. You know, That's impossible in this world. But it gives you a, a glimpse of the power of multiplication. And I think this, this thing that God has built into all of creation, even seeds, He's built into our lives. Jesus did it that way. We can follow His lead. The seed of the Gospel has the power to multiply exponentially if we sow it and plant it in receptive hearts. Now, why did Jesus tell us to make disciples by teaching people to obey or to do everything that He's taught us? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think He knew something about what it takes for truth to take root in the human heart. And this is something that educators understand. I'm going to give you this, uh, this didactic academic slide here for just a minute. It's called the learning pyramid. Now, this speaks to how we retain the most. How we remember so that it just becomes part of us. And you may have noticed that the method that the church has adopted is the absolute worst way to remember anything. And yet, that's what we do. Okay? You come, you face forward, and you listen to me. Um, now, if you read it too, you get a little bit more. All right, you retain a little bit more. If you read it and hear it, you retain a little bit more. If there's a demonstration, somebody can show you how, you generally remember more. Kathy and I were at the phone shop yesterday because we got to get caught up with this 5G world and you know, get new phones and stuff. And so Kathy's talking to the salesman. She says, now, if I have to go in and figure out this new phone all by myself, it ain't happening. So can you show me? I, I'm, I need to know how to do this one thing. Can you show me right now? And he did. And she was able to repeat exactly what he did. And now she's got it. Okay? Demonstration is awesome. Discussion groups. That helps a lot when we dig into something together and we talk about it together, we remember. That's what's happening in our connection groups. We're learning these stories together, and the application of the story that we hear from each other just sticks. At least half of it sticks. If you practice by doing, there you go. That's why Jesus said, teach them to obey. Teach them to do everything that I have commanded you. If you practice by doing, it takes root in your heart. Then, 
If you can teach others, there you go. Then you know that it's in you. So that's what we do. I think that's why Jesus described this process to us. So, we're going to see this play out in our story this morning. <clears throat> and uh, then we're going, to, we're going to share a little bit about it. We're going to try the discussion group thing to try to boost us from 5% to 50% this morning. We're going to hear from you about what God is telling you in the story. And there are mics over here and we'll have a chance to share like that. We're going to dig into the story. It's in Matthew chapter 13. If you aren't familiar with it, you want to follow along, that's fine. Because if you see it, you'll remember twice as much as if you only hear it. But if you hear it and see it, there you go. If you know the story, just say it with me in your mind. Let's pray first. Lord, please help us this morning. Amen. What more do we need, right? And we really need that, don't we? All right, so Matthew starts out, chapter 13, and he says, later that same day, Jesus left the house. So, when you see something like that, it's like, okay, so what has just happened that might help me understand what's about to happen? And I look back this week at chapter 12, and I realize, wow, Jesus has really been through it. I mean, he's been accused of casting out demons by the, by the power of the prince of demons, He's been raked over the coals by his own community for healing somebody on the Sabbath, and just on and on. And you get the impression that he's just reached this place where he's had it with the resistance and the stubbornness and the refusal to understand from his own religious community. And I honestly felt empathy for Jesus at that moment. <clears throat> so Matthew picks up there. He says, later that day, Jesus left the house. And he went out by the lake. This is the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. And we're not exactly sure where he was, but he was probably in Capernaum at Pete's house. Um, where his mother-in-law lived with him, you know, and that was a common, that was one of his retreats, Jesus and his disciples, was Capernaum along with Bethany, and Capernaum was by the Sea of Galilee. So anyway, later that day, Jesus left the house, and he went out beside the lake, but such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore and he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. The plants sprang up quickly, but when the sun came up, they were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked the plants. But other seed fell on good soil which produced a crop. Some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears. We got anybody here with ears this morning? Let them hear. So right away, you have an idea where Jesus is heading, don't you? Now, his disciples came to him and asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? And we're not going to go through this middle section this morning, but I just want to say this. When you read this, if you're not careful, you're going to get the idea that God is sort of unfair, and he reveals some things to some people and arbitrarily 
hides it from other people, and he's sort of just precocious, and some people get it and some people don't, and if you didn't hear, you don't get to hear kind of thing. But if you notice verse 15, right in the middle, and he's quoting from the prophets, referring to his people, and Jesus believes Isaiah is talking about the people of his day, or any time perhaps. He says, this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their own eyes. So you see where the onus falls. And then, Jesus says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone, and who is anyone? You know what that word means in the Greek? Anyone. Yeah. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches what was sown from their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But because they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, what happens? They quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, anyone? And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And then Jesus says, this is the one who produces a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Wow. So glad that Jesus explained this parable. For thick skulls like mine. Let's just, real quickly, look back at the four types of soil that he uses as analogies for the human heart real quick. The first one is the path. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. So, when people don't understand our message, where is the problem? Well, it could be the hard heart of those who hear, right? And that is a possibility because there are some hard hearts out there, right? But I just want to caution us about making this initial judgment call about someone. You see, when you encounter hard soil and you want to plant a garden, what do you have to do with that hard soil? You've got to till it. You've got to break up that hard soil, make it loose. Make it workable. And I want to tell you, people, that love always makes the best plow. Love always makes the best plow. How many of you remember a time in your life when your heart was as hard as rock, impervious to truth, impervious to the love of God, impervious to the people around you? Anyone? You remember the hard heart days. Hard hearts can be made soft. People are not without hope. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of love. The question that we're learning to ask here at FCC is not, what is wrong with you? But, what happened to you, brother? What happened to you, sister? And shutting up and listening 
to people's stories so that we can understand where they are and how God might want to use him or us in their lives. Love softens hard hearts. Sometimes, maybe it's not the heart of the one who's hearing the word. Maybe sometimes it's the poorly communicated message. Anybody been there, heard that? Sometimes the messenger just doesn't understand the message well enough or his or her audience well enough to truly communicate. Listen, when that happens, it becomes the bad news gospel. People, there's a lot of bad news out there right now. Right? I mean, every day. It's heartbreaking. It's frustrating. It's discouraging. We do not need to add to the bad news. We do not need to be bearers of bad news to our world. Listen, brothers and sisters, we're the ones with the hope. We have the gospel. We have the good news that people desperately need right now. But if all you do is bitch and moan about what's happening. <gasps> okay. Don't tell anyone that your preacher actually said that in church. But I'm glad that I have all of your attention now. We do not need to add to the bad news, people. We have hope. We have a good message. Friday, I was at our the Fry's grocery store that that's near our home and uh, I ran into our store manager Ron. Ron is the brother-in-law of Veronica Militello. Some of you guys remember Mike and Veronica and that family has been through it over the past few years. We've had four or five memorial services right here for members of that family and uh, I was talking to Ron. Today is the birthday of his daughter Tatum who was killed about three years ago in a tragic car accident, and it was just on him. He says, my sister-in-law's in the hospital dying of cancer. My best friend's son on his motorcycle was just killed by a drunk driver. We all saw that in the news within the last couple of weeks, and it, he was just heavy, and it was like he saw me, and he just bleh, you know, somebody he knew that knew him, and I listened, and I said, Ron, I'm just, I'm so sorry about this. And he goes, man, it just seems like crazy times. It just, the bad stuff just does not stop happening. And I looked at him and I said, Ron. And I, I, I made sure that he was looking into my eyes. And I said, Ron, that's, that is this, that's the fallen world that we live in. But there's hope in the Lord. And those of us who know him get through these hard times with him. And with each other. And some of us have to undo the bad news with the good news. And I said, Ron, you're responsible for all these people in this organization with your family. We've got to give them some hope. And brothers and sisters, listen. It does not matter how bad things get out there. It does not change who you are. And it does not change what God has created you to do. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance for you to do. You are not saved by doing good works. You're saved so that you can do good works. We were once lost and hopeless and at the bottom of a deep pit, unable to contribute anything of value to this world. We were like blood-sucking leeches on this world. But not now. God has redeemed us. And now it's our time to give back. And we do that by doing what He's made us to do regardless of what's happening out there. We do not contribute to a bad news gospel. We have good news. Right on? And sometimes, it's not the crappy message. Sometimes, it's the messenger. Us. If you aren't loving, people will not listen to your message no matter how eloquent you are. 
People do not give a rip how much you know until they know how much you care. And praise God, I think that's part of the beauty of what is happening at this church. You guys are getting it. The people who've been on the outside looking in their whole lives who never thought God, let alone His people, were interested in them are finding a home, a safe place, a judgment-free zone here. And it's a beautiful thing because that is what the kingdom of God is about. So keep that up. People need our love. Without love, Paul put it this way. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... By the way, that was a gift given liberally to the church in Corinth. uh, But they were prideful and they were abusing it. And Paul let them have it right here. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. The first and greatest gift and fruit of whom is love. Reminds me of the scene where Charlie Brown and his friends are sitting at school in the classroom and the voice of their teacher, and it went like this. So there you go. That's what we sound like without love. Rocky ground. Jesus said, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the Word and at once receives it with joy. But because they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble... Anybody? Or persecution? Anyone else? Come. Why? Because of the Word. They quickly fall away. Ooh. Well, trouble and persecution, that's not what I signed up for. Did anybody tell you when you gave your life to Christ that just you wait, the other shoe's about to drop? Maybe we should. There's a price to pay. It's good news. It's awfully good news. But it's not without resistance. Because there is someone who does not want to see people rescued from darkness. And that is our enemy. Woo. Mm. But people, in this business of making disciples, we stick with people. We disciple them through their troubles and their persecutions. We teach them. Good news like James chapter 1, 2 through 4. By the way, which James is this? This is a bro of Jesus who at one time, the the younger brother of Jesus, he was the oldest, James did not believe. He thought his older brother was out to lunch at one time. Then he went through it all with him. He saw him suffer. And he writes these words from experience. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We teach people this when they're going through hard times, when life hits the fan. We teach them passages like Romans 5, this next one. Paul says, not only so, and he's just been talking about all these wonderful things about being in God's family. And he said, not only that, we we don't just rejoice, but we also glory in our sufferings. What? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Wow. This one that's been given to us by the Holy Spirit. 
That's how roots grow deep. I'm seeing this happen with a couple groups of guys that I'm spending time with every week. And I'm watching these brothers encourage each other and disciple each other. Um, Jose Aquino is going through it, man. His dad, Domingo, is dying of cancer. He's got relatives living with his parents that are not respectful. and It's just weighing heavy on him. And I've watched this group encourage Jose and him come back then and share, wow, you guys, God actually spoke through me. I couldn't believe it. And, and now my niece and nephew want to hear the good news. My, there, there's a peace that's falling on my parents' home. Jerome asked Jose to come a couple weeks ago and teach some basic auto mechanics to a group of foster kids who, just, who need that. Jose, you didn't know this, Jerome, but Jose was scared spitless. And he had, to, he had to actually demonstrate and then teach these group of kids. All eyes were on him. He's not, he's not an upfront kind of guy. And he did it. He saw God work through him. So the next week he's sharing about that his joy of growing in this way. And Mario, another one of the guys, goes, Dudes, I've been invited to go speak to this home group tonight. They want to hear my story. And I am scared out of my mind. I don't know if I can do it. And Jose goes, Mario, look, look at me. Just do it. God will give you the words. He'll give you the words. And the next day, Mario, I mean, these guys text like a bunch of girls in my group. I can't even keep up. He's going, man, you guys won't believe what happened. He said, you're right, Jose. Thank you for your encouragement in the group. And, and we're seeing this happen. We're meeting every week now. I'm taking Mario from this group, we started a new group with our Native American brothers. Brothers, wave back there. These guys are proud. These guys are uh, proud Apaches. And we are proud to have you guys with us. So we've started a group. We're learning the stories of Jesus with them. And I've taken Mario. Okay, man, now you're going to learn to do this with me. I'm not doing this on my own. So we're meeting with these guys. These brothers learn the story like that. Hello? You guys listening? These guys, these guys learn the story. They tell it, every one of them, every week. How are you guys doing learning these stories? I'm just saying. Okay. <clears throat> so it's a beautiful thing to see this happened, and, uh, and, and us encouraging people through our, our challenges and our discouragements. Jesus continued, and He said, the seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the Word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the Word, making it unfruitful. Man, people giving into our worries, and there's not a one of us out here that doesn't have them, right? Giving into our worries, probably the scariest one though, is the deceitfulness of wealth. When you are making a disciple, when you are investing, pouring your life into someone else, you need to be an open book. They need to understand about your worries. They need to understand about your financial challenges. But they also need to know that you tithe and you give God 10% of your money. There the preacher goes talking about money again. But listen, you guys. I, I honestly think that's the big test for an American Christian. We're not going through it like some of our brothers and sisters around the world. Who, who face life and death situations simply because they're a follower of Jesus. We don't have that. But I'm here to tell you, if you can't trust God with your money right now, if life ever hits the fan here for you, you are toast. You're not going to make it. And our disciples need to know that we are 
trusting God that we're not giving in to the deceitfulness of wealth and to our worries. We're trusting Him to help us live generously. And we're putting our faith out on the line and we're living on 90%. We're seeing Him show up to fill in all the financial gaps that we might be able to fill on our own if we kept all of it for ourselves. And then, you know what? Here's the cool thing. You'll be able to share miracle story after miracle story with your disciples of how God is providing. He will do it. He's promised to. We just don't believe it. He said, if you stop robbing me through Malachi, test me in this, God said. Only time I know of that he's ever said that in the whole Bible. Go ahead, put me to the test in this way. Give me what's mine and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not be able to contain it all. You want to live a life like that? Then trust God with your money. And then you'll have something to say to your disciples. Listen, if we're not really following Jesus, if we're not trusting Him, if we're not living like that, we have nothing to say. You might as well just shut up. Okay, now that we're all filled with joy and mirth, we got to show this. The Apostle Paul put it this way about himself with his disciples in Philippi. He said, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, that's not boasting. That's what we call leading by example. And we can all do it or not. I hope you're not on the or not side. But if you are, you can get over on the Side that's leading by example. Praise God. Good dirt. Question. How does good dirt become good dirt? I hear some laughter and some murmuring over here. You till it. You break it up. You make it soft so it's workable. So it'll receive the seed, right? Manure. Yeah, we won't forget that. God, uh, God turns us into good soil with the poop of life, doesn't He? Yes, He does. See, good dirt was once hard ground that was tilled. It was rocky ground that was cleared. It was thorny ground and the thorns were removed. And sometimes we have important, absolutely essential prep work when we're making disciples. We recognize that hard heart needs to be plowed with love. We recognize there's some rocks. There's some worries. There's some greed that need to be cleared. There's some thorns that need to be pulled out of a person's life. And we do that. Sometimes this prep work has to be done before we can sow the seed of the gospel. I think this is why God tells us to do this. Anybody know what this means? Ah. He tells us to lie nay, to love your neighbor as yourself. We have Smarty Pants Leslie here. Thank you. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Man, that just opens up a world of opportunity for the seed of the gospel. All right, I'm done, I think. I want to hear what God's doing in your hearts. Any light bulbs that have come on that where God's just spoken to you through this story? And we want to hear how He's spoken to you through the story, so... Don't be an astronaut and take us out to outer space somewhere with something that doesn't have to do with the story, or I will stop you. What's going on? What is something that you see that maybe you didn't see before? Something that you know you're going to implement in your own life? Now share it with us so that we can all be blessed by what you're learning.
We are very patient at FCC. Marsha is a brave soul. Maybe she just has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. Well, I will say <clears throat> that God is very good at providing what you need. Um, at one point, after my husband said he was leaving, he didn't leave. He, he was gone for two days, came back and said, could I stay here? I don't really have anywhere else to go. <laughs> so we've been together since then, probably 35 years, maybe more. But... Um, while we were going through, we were young, building our businesses and so on, we came across a really bad patch in a restaurant. He had gotten a, a restaurant and other things had not gone well. And so we were working in this restaurant and <clears throat> I had three kids, so I was raising kids and he was trying to make the w business work. And I was down to $20 for the rest of the week, and it was Monday. And I told Jesus, I said, well, you said you'd provide, Lord. You need to make this $20 stretch out. And on Tuesday night, I went to church. And I heard the Lord say clearly, put your $20 in the in the." Uh, offering basket. And I said, what? What? $20 in the basket? But you, but I, but you, I need you to stretch it. To put it in the basket. So I, I just let it go in the basket and thought, oh well, there it goes. Now you really have to make it stretch. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to have to. So the next morning I go out to the mailbox. I open, oh, it's a nice letter from my mom. I open it up, there's $20 in it. She said, well, you know, you, for the phone calls you make and stuff, here's $20. And I thought, wow. And now I only have four or five days left for that to work. So that was great, Lord. So I stick it in my purse, and I'm going to buy milk and whatever not. And that night, my husband comes home. He puts $700 on the kitchen table and says, I was able to take some money this week. Hmm. I mean, that's just God. Yeah. It's just God. So that is a great example of Marsha sharing, sharing with us. And I'm sure you've shared that story with many younger women that you've mentored over the years. That's a great example of a story about clearing the thorn of the deceitfulness of wealth out of my life, trusting God with that and watching him provide. Awesome. Thank you, Marcia. Yes, Micah. Can you raise this up? Um, one of the things that's interesting about this story is the farmer is very indiscriminate. He's, uh, when I tell this story overseas, some of them laugh and say, this is a really stupid farmer. What is he doing throwing seed on the path? Everybody knows that it's not going to. One of the things that uh, in my journey over the last few years that I have really come to um, be surprised by the power of God's word. And one of the things, one of the deceptions I think we have is, and many, one of the many reasons why many of us here are hesitant to get involved or to speak into people's lives is we don't feel like we have the right words to say. I, I could never, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help this person. How much was the farmer, in the story, how much was the farmer doing to change the soil? Does it say? Nothing that we know N of. Nothing that we know of. So there's this, there's this concept that's been rolling around in my mind that am I the one that changes people? If God has given me seed to sow, how much of this process is me changing people? What do you guys think? 
Yeah. Zero. Who does that? God. So there's, a, there's an incredible relief that comes when you actually accept that. At least mm-hmm. it has been for me. Yeah. Where I'm not the one that changes. My job is to pay attention. So when I sow a seed and I see how someone responds to me or to the seed, what is that showing me? What am I looking for? I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of soil they are. Mm-hmm. Can you guys feel the weight come off your shoulders when you think of it that way? It's not, my, it's, not my, it's not my burden or weight to bear on what kind of soil you are, but I, I don't know who you are yet. And so how someone responds to these seeds shows me. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of hard path people. There's a lot of people that will snatch it up, and then they're gone. And there's a lot of people that just can't get over these things that they're stuck in their life. But every now and then, God shows me or the people around me someone who really wants it. Who do you think I'm going to pour into? Now, it doesn't mean I don't care about the other soils, but I can't change them. I'm available. And this whole weight has been lifted off. And again, it's hard not to fall back in that. We all struggle with savior complexes at some point. <laughs> We think that if I say the right words at the right time to the right person, that I could, and then I feel good about myself because I made a difference. That's Jesus's job. And so this, I just wanted to encourage you guys that watch, pay attention, be curious to see how people respond to the good news, not the bad news gospel, the good news gospel, and run with it. Follow your curiosity, see. And and there's gonna be people there's going to be people that aren't ready, and you can go, okay, God, they're not ready. I pray that you put me back in their life, or you put someone else in their life when they are. And I don't want to inject you with a vaccine against the gospel by forcing something. And it's just been a huge, I don't have to know the right words to say. If someone wants it, they want it. So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. And we don't know timing of someone's journey. Who does? And your one interaction with them may be a one, one stone that you've removed from the field. That one interaction may be one step closer towards the kingdom or further in. You don't know, but he does. So just want to encourage you all. It's been very encouraging for me. Just kind of let go. And then you actually end up not being in the way. So. Yeah, that's a great relief. Thank you, Micah. Um, Micah's my son, by the way, and <clears throat> there's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a great thing when you're able to sit at the feet of your own children. Um, I, I just want to add, maybe the thing to do is, when we have those encounters, we recognize a hardness, we recognize some rocks in the way, or some thorns that we just send up that flare prayer to the Lord. Lord, if you can, I see a hardness, soften that hard heart. And if you can use me, fine. I see these rocks, remove them. If you can use me, fine. I see these thorns. And uh, just be, be open and willing for God to use us. All right, let's, let's give West Side. Way to go, Leslie, West Side. I was going to elaborate on some of what Micah was saying because... Uh, when you meet somebody, you meet all different people, you don't know exactly where they are in their life or what things they have gone through, and you kind of have to give them the message where they are. Not, you know, everyone's not on the same path at the same place. We're not in a race where we're all walking together. And then to a a little bit about the message regarding Um, The soil is yesterday my husband and I and our two boys here, we were digging a huge hole to plant an orange tree. And the rock, the the ground here in Arizona is made of clay. And so it's really hard, rocky ground. So that was kind of a little bit of a lesson for Mm -hmm. the boys to learn this parable. Yeah. Yep, it is. Good. In Arizona, you don't need a plow, you need a jackhammer. (laughs) Susan. 
Well, when I was five years old, and I still remember every part of it, uh, we had our cookie or our graham crackers and milk, and we sang, Jesus loves me. And he, he planted that seed that early in my life. And I was baptized early. And I think for me, what it means is two things. You said love thy neighbor as yourself is that you show love and encouragement to the people that you meet or the people that you know. That's a very important part of that. And the other part is to show up because I have met so many wonderful people and had so many wonderful contacts that I see him uh, plowing the fields himself and growing these people to bear their own fruit. And mm. I know it's not me. Mm. I know it's not me, but it's a joy. It's a real joy for me. It is a joy. Nothing better. Thank you, Susan. All right, we got one more. Roger. Roger. By the way, guys, everyone, this is Roger Woody. He's the new men's, outside men's director at Alongside Ministries. Yeah. And, uh, the thing that comes to me about sowing the seed, unless you plant, you can't reap. Mm. Unless you put something in, you can't get nothing out. Mm. Yeah, I didn't speak about the seeds you're sowing. We want to sow love and faith and trust, goodness and kindness. Yes. And the Lord had allowed me to be placed with alongside. That was my planting. Mm. It wasn't just for me to do the crops or the weeds. I had to have a place to grow also. Mm. Yes, sir. So sometimes it's always not sowing, it's growing. Amen. Amen. Amen, like Roger. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. We're going <clears> to, <throat> and by the way, Julie, stand up. Julie is the new women's directorate alongside ministries. Okay. And we do have a graduation for three of our guys that have finished the program. This is our, alongside ministries is our prison ministry where guys and gals get hooked up with mentors on the inside before they get out. They continue in their disciple training uh, discipleship Training Center here, and Andre and Daniel and Mark are graduating this afternoon at 1.30 if you want to come support them. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together right now.